Well, I want to speak to you this morning, but, but as I do, God's put a word in my heart this week. I can't get away from it. And uh, this word, before I bring the message, both of them are from the Lord. I know there's no doubt in my mind, uh, but a prophetic word that, that I had to write down and I've shared it already with a couple of others and wanted them to judge it and make sure uh, that what God was speaking to me was from the heart of the Father because I don't want to just speak. Uh, but here's what the Lord has been speaking to me. This is the time of the extraordinary. The time when that I will do will be out of the ordinary of how you would normally see it. Though it will be in harmony with my word. This is so that your faith will be in me and not men. So that no one will say, we know how to do it. My glory, I will not share with another. Aggressively go after that which I have promised you, even though you do not see it at this moment. For even as a seed is planted and you don't see my work with it, as I break it and transform it, that it brings the harvest I intended it to bring. I will do what I have promised you, I will do. So keep your eye and your heart on me and see the extraordinary, says the Lord. So I'm just gonna leave that with you however you want to receive that this morning. I want you to go to the book of Exodus chapter 25. Today, again, I am so glad, so honored all of you are here. Today I'm gonna to be, I didn't realize this is what I'm doing, but it really is what I'm doing. I'm laying out some vision for the days ahead and for the next year that we're going into. Probably today, I know today and next week, next couple of weeks, I'm going to be doing that as I put it together, as God has put in my heart. And I'm entitling a message entitled this, Heart for the House. And I believe it's very important that you and I hear what uh, the Lord is saying and what we're gonna be doing, I believe over the next months and over the, even as we go into a brand new year. Uh, one of the words that I keep getting uh, for 2024 is simply this, I, just a simple word, be aggressive, be aggressive. Go after what God promised you. Don't give up on it. Go with it with all you got and call it forth. Don't give up, but go after the things that God has called and promised you. Go for it. Look at your neighbor and say, get aggressive. You know, this church has been around for a long time, way before I got here. Next week, I guess it is, or in two weeks, uh, somewhere around the third, fourth, fifth. I know it was a Wednesday night. Me and Diane stepped into this place, not intending to be pastors, but became pastors at that time of what was new life. It's been in existence, I don't know how many years. Roger, do you guys know? I've been a long time. Uh, how many? 1969. And that's been a long time when this place, and this place has had an impact greatly upon this city and upon this region. And I don't think it's by chance that this house is here. I know it's not by chance that we are a church, that we are a body of people. This church has impacted far more than what you and I will ever know and still doing. 
We give a lot more than what you uh, realize that go out because we just don't, it's been our culture at the moment that we don't necessarily push everything, talk about everything. We just sometimes just do. But we're always pouring into missions. Some of you are giving to missions monthly or weekly, however God's put it in your heart. And we send that money out. We support uh, places like WME World Mission and Evangelism where I sit on the board and I'm firsthand of knowing what's going on. And through this mission organization, it's actually a discipleship making uh, movement. They're seeing countless thousands of people are coming to Jesus every week. I mean, it's a, it's staggering. The reports that we're getting in uh, from David Parrish, the president of WME, of what God is doing. We're also supporting uh, Damien and Shelly Pranuk that's been a part of our church. Uh, Damien now has given himself totally, in a sense, totally uh, to reaching the untouched people groups. And that's hard to imagine. The untouched people groups of our Argentina. He is there. Him and Shelly just left out this past week, their family in Argentina, and they're training the nationals there how to make disciples, how to reach people for Jesus. And staggering numbers of people are coming to the Lord. We've provided travel for them. We've provided uh, We provided just a few months ago, we provided an all-terrain vehicle for them to get into the places they couldn't get in to without it. This is what you've done and what this church has done. We've supported uh, Community Transformation Fellowship, Rick Clendenin's ministry for years. And that's been a church planting movement all over the world. In Africa, we've played a role there. We've played a role in India and Africa and numbers of places. One of the big things that God has put in our heart is for this region where we've poured in to the ministers and to the other churches of our region. It's always been in our heart to do that. We've been doing it for a long time now. We've provided resource. We've provided labor. We've provided, uh, I, we, we feed them every month when they come in with us and, and we're helping them in every which way we possibly can. We're also, so that you'll know what's happening because it's so dear to my heart as a, as a pastor and as a leader, we're supporting ministers, some that are retired. We don't have, don't have many, but we've got a few that we are sending and giving monthly support to them to help them and to assist them because they've given their life totally to the gospel. I've always dreamed of one day having a big, uh, having maybe like a resort for pastors pastors and retired missionaries, a place that would be fixed up like the Hilton where you and I dream of going that we could provide and say, you've given your life. We want to give you something. I haven't quite got there yet, but it's still in my mind and still in my heart, my dream to take care of leaders. Not only that, but we've helped with the needy in our area. We fed people, we've clothed them. We've sewn into a number of different agencies that are helping people. We have we have taken care of this past just a few months ago. You were a part of it. We fed the SEMO band. That was a cool thing and trying to find new ways of, uh, of doing things like that. And of course, through our fall festival, when people come up and just different things like that, that go on is what this church does. And you know, the sad thing would be if we didn't exist, 
not just us or any church exists, what would our communities look like? But this year with all that, we wanna keep doing that. I wanna extend it even more. I, I, I really wanna see that grow. But there's one thing that we need to do, and I believe it's time we do it. We need to invest in our own house. We need, this place needs to be updated. This place was remodeled, it's been kind of put together through different times, and, but we really need to spend on it because it's time. It needs to be updated and it needs some care in places maybe you don't see. But it's important. You know, me and Diane were in Alabama just a couple of weeks ago and driving back. You know how traveling is. And, and, and we were driving back. And, and, and of course, I got this idea. You know, I stop about ever whenever I want to. And she wanted to stop and, to, you know, to do the restroom thing. And you know how important it was even to use the restroom of what the outside looked like. Because everything on the building reflects what's on the inside. Same thing with the restaurant. Same thing most of us do. And, and you know, we're, we're picky about things. But I'm going to ask you to begin to believe with me and pray with me over the next few months. And I'm even going to ask you to sow a very special seed above your normal giving that will go specifically, we're going to call it Heart for the house, I think they got it right there. That's our church right in the center of it. We're gonna call it heart for the house because I believe it's time for us to update this place from the outside all the way through to some measure. We're already getting ideas and we're already getting estimates. I don't have a picture yet to tell you what we're gonna do. I don't even have the money, uh, everything set of what we wanna do. I just know through a couple estimates I already got, it's not cheap. And it's not gonna be something that a few of us in this room are gonna be able to do. It's going to require some effort to do. And it's time for us to do that. So here's the reason why. I'm glad you asked that this morning. I know you were wondering, why would we want to do that? Well, why do you want to live where you live? You know, we're, we're all like that. We all want to do something. Sometimes the only reason we don't is resource. And, and sometimes you don't even realize how bad stuff is until you go somewhere else and see what somebody else has. And then you come back and you say, whoa, man, we really need some updating. And so I'm going to answer some questions for you. Thank you, Miss Tanya. You've done a marvelous job. This team had no clue what I was going to preach, and they never they never do. I just just tell them, you know, this may be my topic, or and they'll put songs, and it, it'll just flow. But I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus 25. The book of Exodus really means this. The word Exodus means we've gone out or come out. And so God has brought his people out of bondage and he's brought them to a place called Mount Sinai. I'm going to get to 25, so just stay close with me. I got to do this fast. So they come to Mount Sinai and God says something like this to Israel. He said, I have bore you. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and I brought you Listen to what God said. This is Exodus 19. They don't have this note. This is just me. You don't even have to go there. But God said, I have brought you to myself. 
I want you to hear that again. He said, I brought you out to bring you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all the earth, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. And then God began to show himself to Israel upon that cloud. Matter of fact, they, on that mountain, uh, he, he showed himself to them at that mountain through the form of a cloud. And in one place, it says he was a consuming fire upon that mountain. And he began to give them instruction. Keep in mind, remember, he said, I brought you out for me, for myself. So he brought them out after 400 years of living in idolatry and under all the instruction and all the, all the stuff that those ungodly people in, in one sense had invested in them. You're not going to live in the world and not come out smelling like it in some form. I, I hate going. There's a few restaurants I go into. I love them all. I, I really do. I love them all. But every time I go into Huddle House, that's my office, I almost have to change clothes when I get out because I smell like it. And it lasts on me for a few hours. As much as I like Mexican food, I can go in there and I come out smelling like it. There's different places. To tell. I'd go to my mama's house years ago. That would happen there for certain. Come out smelling. I know where you've been. You've been dying. I can never go by there and sneak something. You've been in your mama's house. I smell it on you. See, you're not going to be in the world in a measure of it and not get on you. So that's why God was saying, Israel, you've been there. You're mine. But now I've got to give you some new instruction. And I'm not going to let you live like that. Because if you don't get transformed, if you don't have a new place of living, you'll revert back to the thing you've already known. It's all that you'll ever live because that's what you know to do. So he gives them the Ten Commandments and goes through there. I, I wish it was clear exactly how everything fell in place. And it, but, but we have to take it as it come here. So in Exodus 25, God says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, goat's hair, uh, ram skin dyed red, badger skins, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, for the sweet incense, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the breastplate. Look at, verse, look at the next verse very carefully. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. Go to the next verse. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the furnishings, just so shall you make it. Now, if God made the heavens and the earth, God could have easily made the 
them a place for him to dwell. But God didn't say that. God said to them after he brought them out, you build me a place. Because this is about you and me. This is about a dwelling place, a habitation. So we're going to look at some words real quickly. I'm going to run through this. Because the first word he said, build me a sanctuary. You're going to usually hear four different terms from the Old Testament, New Testament. There'll be this. There'll be sanctuary. There'll be tabernacle. Let me find my notes so I can't get them, all, get them right in the right place, all right? There'll be sanctuary. There'll be tabernacle. You'll hear the word temple, and you'll hear the word synagogue. Now, the reason I'm bringing this to you because you and I have got to know what all of this represents. I think one of the things that God is doing, remember in a reset time, he's bringing us back to his purpose of what God intended and what he wanted to see through everything that he made. I've got an idea that we've become more confident in what we think than we have what God has already declared. And so our faith has to be in him. So God said something like this, let them make me a sanctuary. That word sanctuary, I'm going to break it down deeper in a moment, but it means a sacred place. The word tabernacle is this. Remember, he put these in this passage. He said, let them, that I, according to the pattern, the tabernacle is to be built. The tabernacle simply means this, a place to host the presence of God. So we read further, because David builds a temple, or Solomon does. So what is a temple? It's the central place of worship. For Israel, it would be the central place of worship. But then we find many times Jesus through the New Testament would say something like this. And he went about all the cities and all the villages preaching and teaching in the synagogue and healing everyone that was among the people. So what is a synagogue? Here's what you got to understand. It is a place of prayer. It is a place of instruction. And it is a place of community. So all of these really in one state we could put are one and the same because it is the plan of God. God said, my house ought to be a sacred place. We used to have a real fear of the house. We used to have a real fear of God. And we wonder why our nation doesn't fear because we no longer fear within the house. Hello, I better get through this quick. But it has to be a sacred place. There was just something, I'm not talking about religion. I know it's real easy for us to to teeter on religion and, and teeter to be free. And I kind of learned this over the years. We all think we're free, but we're really not. We're just as religious as the other people are. And the only reason is I'm doing what I think is right for me. And I don't like what they're doing, so I'm gonna do me and I call me free. But the reality is we're just as religious as they are. And I've come to know this, that not all religious people are not devoted. Some are more devoted than us spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking individuals. Oh, my goodness. I love preaching this stuff. I really do. 
But he said, build this place so it's a sacred place. It's a place, God, where we want to host your presence. It's a place, God, of worship. It's a place where we come to pray, a place we receive instruction. And it's a place that we have community. That's why we're here. That's why it's important for us to gather. So I want to push through a little bit. Remember, he said, let them that are willing bring me an offering and build me a sanctuary. As much as you and I think this is our church, it's really not about us as much as it is about God. And the moment that we make it all about God, there's something supernatural happens. It transforms us. Because if it's about man, there's no conviction. But when it's all about God, you can't sit in a pew. Hello? And that doesn't have to always be what happens on the platform. It's what happens all the way through. So he said, build me, build me this sanctuary. Let's break that down. He said, let those bring me a gift. Notice this is an offering of the heart. Those that have a willing heart, let them bring me an offering. Why is it so important that the heart, because the heart is the seed of your motives. It's the seed of your intention. It's the seed of your devotions. It's a seed of your belief. He said, those with a willing heart, let them bring. So when you talk about sanctuary, you're really talking, if we break this down deeper, it talks about a place of beauty and a place of worship. I know, I know, I hear this all. Well, pastor, we can just worship any way we want. God doesn't care. No, maybe he doesn't. But it's my heart that determines that more than where God will be. It's what I'm willing to give up or what I'm willing to press into. Sanctuary in its deepest depth, it means it's a place of beauty. It's a place of refuge. Hear this definition. It's a, re a place of worship. Hear this definition. It's a place of refuge. A place of refuge. What do you mean a refuge? It's a shelter from pursuit. It's a shelter from danger. It's a shelter from trouble. This ought to be the place when people are in trouble or any church. This ought to be the place that people can say, I can run to the house of God and find refuge. I can find shelter. I know if I can get to the house of God, everything is going to be okay. It ought to be that way. Matter of fact, years passed, even thugs and criminals would run to the church because if I can hide in the cathedral, at least I'm in a safe place that will not be violated. It also means it's a place of rest for the troubled soul, a place where people can find rest. Man, so messed up. The world is so confusing. Maybe, Pastor, maybe we don't have church every night. And, and I know we just came through life groups and our first season, our first session, especially with our impact groups, came to an end. And that doesn't mean it's over. I'm encouraging my life group leaders, stay in contact, work your groups. We don't have to have, do something with them through the next few weeks until our next series starts after the first of the year. We'll let you know those things. But it ought to be a place that people can come in. I can rest in this place. If we push it deeper, it also means this. I love those songs. It comes from the root word. If I gave you the Hebrew, I can't pronounce it, and I, you probably couldn't spell it fast enough for me to spit it out, so I'll just tell you what it means. 
This is what he means. It's a place of holiness. It's a place of holiness, and holiness simply means otherness. It means you're different than the world. You're different than everything around. Oh, I like this definition because I'm going to push it down a little bit further. It means betrothed. I wish I could, hope I'm pronouncing it right. It means to be engaged. What is that word, betrothed? Betrothed, yeah, y'all hear it. It's like, wait a minute. God says, wait a minute, I'm married to you. He said, build me a place like you would for your spouse, like you would for your wife. That's what I want my church to be. I want you to know it's that, that my sanctuary, my presence, you're not just a visitor and I'm not just, wait a minute, we're madly in love. I'm madly in love with you and I'm taking you to be my bride. Wow, that are preaching itself alone. Then it's a place of sanctification. Who wants to be righteous? Who wants to be holy? That's what God said. His sanctuary should be reflecting. Our lives should be that way. That we are being set apart. That we are being cleansed by the precious blood of Jesus. It also speaks of moving to sacred time. That we're in sacred moments when we come together. There's none like this. He said, let them make me a sanctuary, a, a tabernacle among them. And the word tabernacle out of this verse means a dwelling. Now we got to keep in mind, this was written for an Eastern mindset, not by us Westerners, because we have chosen, we have chosen to visit instead of dwell. We have chosen just to be visitors, our, our first attenders, or just show up once in a while instead of dwelling in the presence of God. Tabernacle simply means to dwell. Let them, remember I gave you a definition a while ago. It means let them make me a place that I can manifest my presence. But it's deeper than that. Because he's actually saying this, let them make me a place that I can live with them, that I can lie down with them, that I will be in the midst of them, that I will lodge with them so that they can enjoy and live in all the fullness of who I am and all that I have. God said, this, this is what my house is supposed to be about. Is that you can come and learn and Find what God has for you. It's a place of rest and intimacy with the Lord. A place of rest to get away from the chaoticness of the world. A place, I, I remember years ago when me and Diane was pastoring in Paducah. You remember this, Diane? We had a young lady come into our church that was demonized. No doubt come off the streets and... Live. We were young pastors there. I think it was about the time we had the little Indian brother John George with us. I believe it was in that time. And this little, this young lady, a beautiful little young lady, but she looked rough and she'd come into our service. And as soon as she would come into the service, she would go to sleep. I mean, she was out. She would go to sleep. 
Matter of fact, we minister to her. We're learning something we had never, ever encountered before, experienced. And we lived in the parsonage next to the church. And she came to our house one evening. And as soon as she walked in the door, sat down on our couch, she goes to sleep. We couldn't figure out what's wrong with her. You know, why is it that she wants to sleep? Why is it? But there was a place in the presence of God that she came because she's so demonized and so tormented like the, like the man in the tomb of the Gadarenes that when Jesus shows up and the presence of the Lord shows up that all of a sudden her flesh, even though that demon may still be there, her flesh was at rest in the presence of God for a few moments. And that's what ought to happen when people come in. When people come in, they can find rest. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden and learn of me and you will find. Notice what he said, learn of me and you'll find rest for your soul. Listen, the tabernacle was a place. It was a place to connect humanity with God. And here's something I want to make a statement. Our humanity needs a place to connect with God. Our humanity needs it. How do you know it? Because I hear people say, I don't feel anything. Or I feel people say, if I could go there, I could feel something. The last time I was in Atlanta, before Pastor Chad and Alexis moved up here, uh, Chad told me we were there to help him move back. And Chad told us it was weekend. And Chad told us, Dad, I want you to go to the main sanctuary today because they were usually in a campus. And he said, I, I want you to go and I want you to sit in the main sanctuary and be there for Pastor Jensen and see everything that's going on. He said, I don't know when you're going to get back. And, and so that morning, I think Diane stayed back for whatever reason. And I rode in with Alexis and we get there about five minutes before service. It's the early service of the, uh, of the morning, nine o'clock. The place is jam-packed. We're setting up in the bleacher section in the back of the church. Five minutes before service, and me and Alexis sat down, and immediately I started weeping. And I leaned over to Alexis, and I said, Alexis, he's here. God is in this place. I don't feel this everywhere I go. Nothing has happened. Nothing. They haven't even strung. They haven't hit one note yet. Pastor Jensen didn't enter into the room. There was nothing extraordinary going on. But in the place, in the house, was the presence of God. And from the first time that we were ever there, I kept saying, trying to explain it, this place is alive. Jesus is in this room. I feel it many times in this room when you say you don't. And there's times that I could pray in my car. I can pray in the woods. I can walk the park. I can do it. In, I could pray in my home. But for me, there's nothing like walking into this place that has been set and designed for the presence of God. And there's been a few times that the presence of God has been so great that it brought fear that I had to get out of here. That I couldn't sit. But our humanity needs a place to connect with God. That's why you chase things. 
That's why we'll run all over the country trying to find revival. Because your humanity is trying to connect. And if you're not convinced that this is a place of God, you can leave here and never feel Him. But I'm telling you, God is here. I'm telling you, God is in this place. And our community and our cities and our families need a place that they can come and connect with the Lord. It is a place to help heaven come to earth, to help heaven manifest in the earth. Worship team is coming back. I'll land quickly with this. This whole thing with Moses. But pastor, that's Old Testament. That's way back there with Moses. Really, it's just a picture. The tabernacle was nothing more than Jesus. It's just a picture of Jesus. I, I think they got a picture of the tabernacle. I, I want them to throw it up there. That's what God told Moses. I, I want you to build. That tabernacle was about, the, the outside tent of that thing was about 75 feet wide. And the length of it was about 150 feet. It was made up of three different parts, an outer court, which you would see here where it says the bronze altar. And then there's the holy place or the inner court in that room that wasn't but about 15 feet wide about by 40 feet wide. So we're possibly gonna look just a little bit smaller than the length of this stage and maybe a little bit wider than where I'm at here. And there were two compartments there, the inner court, which is called the holy place. And the most, most holy is, is called the holy of holies, where the ark of the covenant was, would be that was behind a curtain that I believe that was four inches thick and nobody but a priest could go in once a year. God said, build me a place, and that's where I'm going to be. And God said, in that place, can you imagine God dwelling in a box? The Ark of the Covenant, I don't know, Charlie, you, you studied this stuff out. It, it couldn't have been too huge. Just a wood box overlaid with gold. And on the top of it was two angels made of gold whose wings touched each other and it was a place at the top of that the, the top of that that box it was called the mercy seat and it was all there for man to make his way to God because man in his sinfulness couldn't get there but God made a way oh we just sang it this morning he made a way do you ever hear this verse Jesus said in John, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Through study, some of the rabbis would call the entrance, where it says entrance gate, it would be named the way. So what God was saying, this is all a picture of Jesus, a picture of a relationship with God and his church that God so desperately desires a church, a family, a bride. Oh, I'm gonna be talking to you about that next week. But we're gonna enter in the way and where you come in 
is the, is the bronze altar and the bronze laver. And that altar would be shaped more, which they said would look more like a cross if you could really see it. But it represented the blood that would be shed for you and I to be able to make our way to approach God. It's a picture of God's great love. That's why Jesus said this. Last thing he did with his disciples. He had communion with them just like we had this morning. And then he said a new commandment that I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. So that the world will know that you are my disciples. Want to know why we come together? come together in this place called love because it begins to make a way for people to see Jesus. For them to begin to make their way to Him. I, I come through that bronze altar through the sacrifice of what Jesus did. The brazen labor is where the priest would wash their hands and it would represent the cleansing of what happened through Jesus. So now, brothers and sisters, I'm not sanctified. I'm not set apart by my own words. I'm only free. I'm only saved. I'm only healed. I, I'm only whole by what Jesus has already done for me. And it opens up the door to go into the holy place. That doorway is called the truth. Because when you get in there, this is what you're going to find. There were three pieces of furniture in the holy place. There was the table of showbread that would speak of the word of God. There's the golden lampstand. That represents the Holy Spirit, the revelation, the illumination of, of God in our life and the oil of anointing that would feed the lamp. And, and then there was the altar of incense, the prayers of the saints that God delights to hear his people. We're making a way. He said in the book of Hebrews, he said, no man comes. No, that's not it. Uh, oh, here it is. By a new and living way, I have an access to the very throne of God, into the holy of holies, by the blood of Jesus. So that next door, through that door, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the truth. That entrance in there, Jesus was saying, I'm the life. And the only way that you're going to find that life is that you come to the place of the mercy seat and you cast yourself in a sense upon that by faith to say, Jesus, I believe that you paid it all so that I could have life and I could have it more abundantly. See, here's what the church has become. You remember another scripture that Jesus said? Broad is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life. Because if all that you do is come to the outer court and you're constantly in the place of judgment, and if that's what the church is going to be to everybody that walks in, they'll never get into the place of life. 
And most of what you hear when you hear the church out, you hear the world out there, why don't you want to come to the church? Why don't you want to be a part of us? They're too judgmental and they're too critical. And the reason we're judgmental and critical because we're critical of ourselves and we're judgmental of ourselves and we've never believed who we really are in Christ and what Jesus has done for us. And so if I'm not careful, I'll stay in the outer court and never walk in. I'll never walk into that holy place or get to the holy of holies because I can't get past the judgment. But Jesus came once and for all to pass judgment for all of us. For he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquity, and the chastisement of our peace is upon him. And with his stripes, we're healed. That's why we gotta be. That's why we come together. That's why we have church. That's why we can't play games. That's why you think sometimes that we're just, we're trying to be trendy. No, we're not trying to be trendy. We made a little bit of change up here because we've got a world to reach out there. And everything that we do through lighting, through sound, and everything we're doing is impacting our sound that goes out of here and how people see us. If we don't take care of it, nobody's going to stop. It's kind of like looking into the rest, looking through the kitchen door of the restaurant. Sometimes we don't want to look in there. Because if it's a picture of what comes out, we're only a reflection of what is on the inside. So I'm asking you, make it part of your vision to pray. I'm not asking for anything from anybody right now. But I'm asking you to really go to prayer with me because this won't be cheap. It's going to take some dollars. And Jesus said, let them that are willing. So I better talk about what it means to be willing so that you fully understand it's deeper than, well, I will. I'll give this. He said, let those that are willing Bring me an offering. The word willing simply means this. It means to yoke yourself to the will and the word of God. In the Hebrew alphabet, the symbols, it would speak as a yoke about an ox's neck. To yoke yourself. I'm willing. I'm going to yoke myself with God. I'm going to walk hand in hand with Him. I'm going to partner with Him. But it starts with us. Willing. Willing to bring an offering. You know, God values freedom so much that He'll let you make your own choice. Right, wrong, or indifferent. If you want to stay in bondage, you can stay. If you want to stay in sin, you can stay. If you want to stay in the pain, you can stay. God pushes himself upon no one. He values freedom that much. But he values this much 
that he's willing to say, I've already paid a price. This is the way, walk you in it. Because he's already made a way and the world needs the church. I love our new merch. I've got them, I've wore them, but I'm telling you, they don't need just a hoodie. They need a place they can come and say, I know what that represents. My heart has always been for this house and I pray that it will always be. God, I don't care if they know who I am. I don't care, God, if they know the name, but may they know that's where the people of God are. That's where the presence of Jesus is. So I'm challenging you to go before the Lord and pray. I'll set a date. Matter of fact, I'm going to do three of these. This isn't going to be a one-time thing because it'll. I know we're in the holiday season. I know where things are. I know, I know, I'm in the middle of it, just like you. But I believe there's a miracle in this house among this people. And who knows who else is watching that can provide everything that we need to get this done. But more than that, I'm asking you, a way has been made for you to enter in to a new place of rest, a new place of peace that God wants to dwell with you. A place that God said, hey, how about you and I living together now? But I'm not going to leave you because I'm going to marry you. I'm going to put a ring on your finger. I'm not afraid to take you as mine, so I'm going to give you my name and I'm going to let you use my name. And I'm going to let you have everything that I have. He said, it's all yours. That's how much he wants you. And he wants me this morning.